after yeah. everybody figures out actually how to use like an interface and everything that works for them it's like oh but this one doesn't go with mine yeah i know That's but then fair. by the way when i send you these <laughs> files it's gonna be a little weird for you sorry <laughs> Earbuds podcast episode 84 of that podcast which is kind of wild and I still feel kind of like I don't believe it every time I say we have mm-hmm. a larger number but that's just going to keep happening because that's how numbers work <laughs> and today we have a guest on the phone coming all the way from far away neighborhood next to mine in fact the extraordinarily talented and accomplished and just amazing person Bethany Thomas hi Bethany hi. hello hello Thank you so, so, so much for being here and hanging out, even though we don't get to actually physically hang out and do all that kind of stuff. But Bethany, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. Bethany has two new records out right now, by the way, which is just like uh, most of us can't even get one out. She recently put out a solo record, BT, she, her, as well as a record with Tawny Newsom called Material Flats. We're going to spend a whole bunch of time talking about all that and all the other amazing work you do in the theater world and all that crazy stuff. Since I last saw you, probably, when, honestly, when do you think we last saw each other? I'm going to give it a good 2007, Hank. Hank. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> that's when my band broke up. That band, like, because you had a band yes. and I had a band and we used to play together that's all right. the time. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Revelator. We will definitely have to, have to throw it back to those days because I, I I don't know about you, but my memory ain't so good uh, compared to maybe what it used to be. So hopefully you can fill in some of those blanks. Uh, I don't know. I how do many have some, some memories of those times, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yeah. <laughs> we were definitely getting into all that. I'm Henry. Dave's on the phone, too. Hey. Hi, Dave. Hi. And uh, we've got some segments that we like to to do every week, so we're just going to get right into them uh, and start with the Symphony of Corrections. Uh, here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you to everybody listening to this and anybody that's ever listened to any of the stuff in the past, but you wouldn't know that I'm thanking you for that unless you're listening right now, so just ignore those other people. <laughs> uh, but we do this for you and for each other, and this is pretty... It's a pretty great time for us. I don't know about you, Dave, but this is pretty much the highlight of my week every week. So yeah, it's I'm the, happy to be it's here. It's the one thing that I kind of have to do, you know, and I, and I love, look, I love yeah. doing it and looking forward to it. Um, you know, not doing many band practices and things these days, not really getting ready for any shows or anything. So this, is, this nope. has been keeping me creative and happy. Absolutely. Yeah. What a lovely obligation. Uh, and as our fans, you're obligated to go follow us on Instagram at Gearbuds Podcast, Facebook, Dave with the meme game, killing it. Uh, subscribe, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, all that stuff. Uh, I've got some updates for gearbuddspodcast.com slash free stuff. There's a couple new, uh, actually they're not new at all, but they're new to me, uh, plugins that I found out about that are free for you to download and, and use. Uh, SoftTube has one that's just like a gain sort of cool plugin called Saturation Knob. There's another one that I found called Camel Crusher, which is this like kind of really nasty distortion that can be really fun to use. Cool. So go check those out. That will be on the page on Monday when this comes out. Uh, ooh, yeah, I've got some bad fucking ideas to get into, All right. uh, including, I don't know if either of you have heard about this yet, and this is, honestly, I, this is, I don't, I don't feel very good about this. We may lose some listeners depending on where this conversation goes. I'm just putting this out okay. there. Um, so we, for a long time, we had this, this long running segment that, uh, we called fuck the police, which was just kind of a, a different reason for us to talk shit about sting every week. Well, yeah. this I need to sort of bring that back a little bit, but this time it's fuck Eric Clapton. 
Oh. Uh, or I guess maybe fuck slow hand. Did you did you hear about this new song that him and Van Morrison are putting out? No. <laughs> okay, so uh, Eric Clapton and Van Morrison are putting out a song called Stand and Deliver, which is an anti- lockdown anti basically like sort of anti-mask uh, song no that really putting out through the guise of like not locking down and shutting down the government which is killing the entertainment industry which is obviously true and we all know that that's true that's yeah. that's not we're not arguing about that but van morrison has been a very very outspoken anti-mask type person ah, apparently okay. it turns out Ugh. um and so now eric clapton has jumped on that shitty bandwagon with him and they're putting out this song in a couple weeks to or maybe next week i'm not exactly sure um, s- theoretically, it's supposed to raise money for, I don't know, some some, some organization around the, the shutdown of the entertainment industry in the UK right now. But um, yeah, it's really kind of just this like not very, um, you know, no pun intended, not very masked uh, take on like, <laughs> anti-lockdown, anti-bullshit propaganda. Uh, I didn't hear about that, man. That's uh, yeah. I, I don't think I'll be supporting that song. Although uh, I thought you were going to bring up his uh, his 54 Strat that just went up for auction. Um, maybe oh, give people a reason not happen. to bid on that, but uh, starting at $1 million. Look, uh, if you have a million dollars to start bidding on that guitar, A, you're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> B, you, you probably are also an anti-masker, so fuck you. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, and it, just uh, a little background on that. It was a, It's a hardtail Strat that he played from, uh, I want to say it was like 79 to like 85 or something. So in that, if you were a big fan of Clapton during that time, I mean, some people were. Um, it's not even like an early era. No, million, no. million dollar strike. It's, it's, la- it's like the latter sh- extra shitty Clapton. Stuff. Yeah, it's, it's not like the black color of money era yeah. Clapton. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, it is still a, a '54 Strat, which is a cool guitar on yeah. its own. Oh, oh. but oh, yes. I mean, no at the same that. time, it's like, all right, you know, I don't know why. Like, why are you know why are you selling this thing? So um, that's uh, that's up for sale. Damn. Okay. Well, there that is too. So uh, don't buy that guitar. I guess is my opinion. Yeah. And, don't the fuck that song. I I am gonna have to listen to the song. I have. I'm gonna have to. Well, listen to yeah. The song. At this point, I, I'm just putting that out there. I need to know what it sounds like. Um, so there's that. Uh, we're gonna keep this sub sub segment going because I've got a couple um, a couple sort of th- these aren't really these aren't as crotchety Craigslist posts as I've, I've normally been finding. These ones just kind of tickled me. And um, the, so basically, I've just been screenshotting different uh, Craigslist ads I've seen for. F- funny musical uh, instrument item things this one is a musical chair and i do not believe that this chair that in the photo i i I, this has to be a stock photo this isn't the actual photo of the chair right and it just says all it just says musical chair one dollar and then there's this sort of stock photo and then it says heavily used seen more butts than keith richards ashtray (laughs) cool dude like you took time out of your day to make that post. I'm I'm happy for you. Uh, you. I mean, for a, if show. it is that chair that's in the photo, I can see it as well. Uh, it's a it's a really old. I mean, it looks like an old chair from like the early 1900s or something, like an old schoolhouse would have or something like that. Here's to me, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, for a I'm dollar, say that this that's isn't. A cool, that's a cool. Here's chair. Here's why no, I'm gonna say it's not though. I would bet because it's got the it's got the transparent background. Yeah, like he like fo- this is clearly something he downloaded from like a, a photo website or, or he photoshopped out the background, which would be that's himself. a lot of work. It's a lot of work to put into the to this for a chair one dollar chair. Yeah. Now I will say, Henry, I don't know if you know this, but the chair that you have the photo of, I'm sitting in a very similar chair right now. Um, How would I know that, Dave? Come on. You wouldn't because we haven't seen each other in a very long time, and especially you yes. haven't been over to my house. But a friend of mine moved away, and he gave me this old chair from like I think it's like the late 1800s or something. You sit in it, and you feel like you're kind of like at a, like a log cabin or something like that. It's really cool. That's um, sweet. So I would take this chair if it is the one photographed for one dollar, please. And, uh, you know, I will, uh, 
I will send PayPal or whatever I need to do. So, but ha- has your chair seen more butts than Keith Richards' ashtray? I don't think it, that's how that's the, that's how this one's being sold to me. No, no, I don't think it has. I can't say that for this chair. It's, it okay. feels relatively like unworn. You know, maybe refinished Fair at enough. one point. So. Uh, this I other one, um, we, yeah, this we don't really need to spend too much time on other than this guy has a bunch of arguably pretty shitty guitars, and I think he knows that because the way that he's trying to sell them, uh, the the subject, the, the title of this Craigslist post is free air guitar with any purchase. Oh, man. Mm. Yeah. Cringe. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's, you know, that's all I got for Craigslist uh, this week. A couple new pieces of gear uh, to mention. One, uh, selfishly, I've got to mention, uh, Daredevil British Black Belt pedal was announced to the world. What was that? Yesterday. Yeah, congrats, man. I mean, uh, congrats to Johnny, obviously, over at uh, Daredevil. But I will say congrats to you. Uh, if people don't know our listeners, I posted the video. It's been going around the internet. It's Henry in the video. It's, it, so it has approaching 210 views. It, some might call that viral. We're climbing, baby. I don't, I don't know, depending on how you define it. Came out yesterday. I thought you were going to say like 210,000, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> we, are, we are on our way, Appro- sir. Approaching 210 views on my personal YouTube. But of course, Johnny, you know, has like Reposted a lot more it, followers yeah. and stuff than me. So I don't know what his I don't know how his numbers are doing, but I would guess at least like 300. Uh, well, the video is fucking awesome. If you guys haven't seen it, haven't <laughs> seen this pedal, definitely go check out the Daredevil uh, British Black Belt, I believe it's called. Yeah, so yeah, it's I, I don't really know why he named that. It's kind of a goofy name. Uh, I do. I, but the pedal's badass. And uh, I'm pretty stoked with how the video turned out. It's the first time I've ever done the like make a video of myself being a, a whole band thing that everybody seems to be good at doing these days. Yeah. And it was fun, man. I really enjoyed it. Not to mention you did, you mixed the audio, you did all the video editing yourself. I, I mean, it's soup yeah. to nuts, all you. So that's, definitely that's all go, me. Go it's a whole bunch of Hank. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for bringing, yeah. Thanks for saying the nice words. I appreciate Absolutely, that. I'm, I'm proud of it. Uh, Boss also put out a new pedal that I'm excited, or it's they are putting out a new pedal that I'm excited about, which is a reissue of the HM2, uh, the Boss Heavy Metal, which... Uh, for those who don't know Swedish death metal from the 90s, that this pedal is the sound of Swedish death metal from the 90s. So that's cool. They haven't made that in a while. <laughs> uh, it kind of sounds horrible, but then it's also it's awesome. I don't know. I in fact I made a clone of it. The like the the most recent yeah. DIY pedal that I made just randomly a couple months ago. Uh, now Boss is reissuing. So I'd like to think I started the trend there. Maybe I think so. And uh, oh, this last one I've been meaning to mention for a couple weeks just because it's so cool. So uh, the Moog has put or is putting out a new theremin, and it's called the Clarivox. And the reason that I'm excited about it is a because I have a Moog theremin, and I'm trying to, to get good at playing it. And I'm just absolutely totally atrocious. It's like the hardest instrument in the world, maybe. And um, but this one is like the most beautiful. It's kind of the combination of both of their theremins, and it's called the Clarivox. Uh, because it is named in uh, honor of the original, basically the original theremin virtuoso, Clara Rockmore. So pretty oh, badass. Cool. There's only 1,500 of them. You can go pre-order them now. Love it. Woo! A lot of new gear. A lot of talking. Now it's time for Dave to do some talking because I'm going to say my two favorite words that I get to say every week. Dave's Docs. Um well, you know, I had a little bit of a, a controversy going into this week about a doc. Um, what? One, really? it's, one, it's not technically a doc. Uh, two, we were talking about it earlier in the week, and I was like, I need to see this because it's getting the worst reviews of any oh, music movie. Oh, you saw the Bowie movie. So there's a Bowie movie out. It's a, it's a quote-unquote biopic called Stardust. 
Yes. <laughs> I I didn't even hear about this until you you texted me um, like Consequence of Sound or somebody like reviewed it and they shit all over it. Yeah, they gave it an F. So I was yeah, like, yeah, they I've did. See this. Um, so I go, well, I gotta watch it now, you know, because I love movies in in general and uh, especially bad ones. Um, I guess the real reason it was so controversial was because. Bowie, I guess David himself never wanted a biopic to be made about him. I don't know that any others exist. Um, obviously, this is after his death. Um, they didn't get any permission from his family, so they didn't use any Bowie. There's zero Bowie music in the entire movie, oh. um, which I can get around in sometimes. Like there was that uh, Hendrix one that came out with Andre 3000, and the same thing Where happened. He, he, well, but they got at least got Hendrix was famous for doing so many covers. Yes. They at least got to do covers. Yeah, they did like Sgt. Pepper or something, and that was really cool. But hey, um, Joe, what's that? Hey Joe, I mean that. Yeah. yeah. Cover. Right. Right. So you can get away with some stuff. This, uh, there's definitely scenes of him playing music. I've never heard the songs myself. Um, there's even, I guess there's even a scene where the Velvet Underground's in it. I mean, they are. And obviously they're not playing a Velvet Underground song because I don't think they got the rights to that either. So, so there's right. a little bit of like caveat going into this movie, but I was like, you know what? I want to watch it just as like a movie, you know, and just be like, you know, I'm not the, I'm, I love Bowie, but I'm not like the Bowie diehards. And I think those are the people that got really upset at this movie. So um, it's a quick story about, he basically, it was uh, right before um, Man Who Sold the World, or right when that came out to the US, it wasn't doing, it wasn't doing that well. And he thought it was like charting because of the last album, you know, the Space Odyssey song and everything. He thought it was like, this is going to be the biggest album ever. It kind of flopped in the US. So his manager's like, all right, I think I can get you out to the US. You're going to do like a tour and uh, you're going to support, you know support it that way and, and try to, you know, pump it up and everything. So he gets out there and he meets this, uh, this manager, um, works for the record label named Ron Oberman, who's played by Mark Marin. So if you're a Mark Marin fan, right. if you're a Mark Marin right. fan, it's probably worth watching because he does, he does a really good job. And I will say this, man, I, I forget the kid's name. I didn't write it down, but the, the guy who played Bowie did a really good job. I thought, um, mm -hmm. a, a lot of people really hated on it, of course, again. Um, I thought standalone, you know, acting-wise and stuff, I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, All right. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. Uh, the thing that really bothered me, and this, this is kind of dumb, but uh, they didn't give him the two miscolored eyes. Oh, like, yeah. So that's, such it, a, that's like, such a, that is Bowie. I when mean, he was like 12, when he was like 12 or 13, he got punched in the eye over a girl right. by one of his best friends. And they got in a fight over a girl and he got hit in the eye and it discolored his eye. And um, he went blind in it for a while, I think. And it discolored his eye and that's why he's always had the, the miscolored eye. And obviously this happened after that. They, that it's, could have just been a, a simple contact lens, you know, attention to detail type of thing. I don't know why they chose not to do that, but uh, they didn't. So that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, but uh, I would say it was a good movie. You know, it was. Uh, is there any uh, is there any decent gear spotting? You know, any sweet McRonson guitars or anything? Uh, actually, yeah, they do show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, he starts to kind of turn into Ziggy, you know, like towards the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. Um, and he meets up with the band again. And he's like, you guys got to wear this like really flamboyant outfits. And they're like. And then Mick is like, I'll quit the band, man. And he's putting his white, uh, his white LP back in the, uh, in the hard case. So they yeah. were pretty accurate with that. He's playing like a guild 12 string through like the whole movie. Cause that's what he brought to like tour with. Um, anyways, it's worth watching, you know, it's a good movie. I, I, I would say if you're like the hardcore, like Bowie fan, you're probably going to hate it. Um, but I, I enjoy him. Uh, I enjoy his music and I like things about him. So I thought it was pretty good. Um, All right, man. What's your totally arbitrary ranking? I want to say I want to give it a. I'll give it a solid five. I'll give it a solid five out of ten 
matching eyeballs. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hell yes. I don't know if that's like a 20 rating or a 10 or a five, two and a half. I don't know what that means. But it's both. Yeah, it's right down the middle for me. It was all right. So, uh, yeah, it's called Stardust. It's out. You can rent it um, and all that good stuff. So I'll take it back over to you, Henry. Sweet. Uh, but before we do it, Bethany, I'm curious. What's just I got to ask. What's your favorite boy record? Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Station to Station. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think Station nice. to Station. Um, uh, I, I, I'm I so glad that you were talking about this. I did not realize it was out for me to watch yet. I knew it was Stardust was a thing that was happening um, and about to come out. I can yeah. tell by the way you've spoken about it that I will hate it. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, w- and, and I will not enjoy it. <laughs> they're, go- they're going as far as telling people to like steal it and don't pay for it. Um, uh-huh. Like it's getting that it's it's like to that level of criticism if you read any of the reviews or anything. Sure. Um, again, yeah, I would say watch it, you know, as a movie. It's it's fine as like a Bowie documentary. It's not. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, and there uh, are no, there know, are barely any good Bowie documentaries because he was so against all of that yeah. so much. Like mm-hmm. even all the Bowie biographies, he like actively was like, "Nope, I hate this. Yeah. Please don't do this. I hate yeah. this." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, and I, and I, and Beth Bethany, knowing you, I'm 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 thinking now that you you probably also got to enjoy this. Uh, but that that installation they did at the Art Institute, which oh also God. was touring throughout the world, that they did of Bowie's outfits was one of the coolest things i've yeah. ever seen in my life yeah yeah, there, yeah. It, that was that was that was incredible yeah i that exhibit was uh everything that i wanted i kind of only wished that i like had maybe like very prudently dosed some mushrooms for the last <laughs> like that last <laughs> room where like dose. every yes. corner is like a different concert going on you know yeah. um yeah, oh, that's that, right it was you had the headphones on <laughs> And and you'd like walk around and then and yeah. it was motion sensitive. Sometimes it's like where you sound and vision tour. Sometimes you're getting yeah. something from a lot early, like a live tour. Like it was it was it was cool. It was very cool. And as, and as someone that never really got into you know like the really eighties on Bowie stuff until like Black Star, which I think is maybe yeah. one of his best records. But yeah. like that kind of that kind of made me appreciate some of like the Earthling and the more nineties kind of stuff that I just never really cared about. But seeing that all the all the background stuff from it in, the, sure. in that in that exhibit definitely got me into a bit more so i think i'm with you i probably wouldn't like the movie either but i'll probably see it at some point just out of morbid curiosity i guess mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know what movie i can't watch even though i know like i know like i like the subject matter but i'm so positive that the subject matter would have hated the film so much is that nina simone one like oh do you know i haven't seen that about? like zoe saldana's playing nina simone and you're like right why yeah. you're <laughs> you look nothing like her yeah you're a very light-skinned woman didn't they and actually like give nina's her whole thing is about yes yes it's like why why i feel like it they pulled it from wide release at the last minute because oh, there was so much maybe backlash. that's why i never saw it. yeah yeah, I, yeah it's one of those ones that creeps up on like amazon or something for me now and i'm just like mm. I really yeah, want to watch something dumb, but I can't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. Oh, oh. All right, well, hey, you know, I don't want to put you either of you on the spot, but you saying that just triggered something. I mean, because I've been looking for like something dumb to watch lately, and I and I've been coming up blank. Do either of you have a recommendation of just like something dumb to turn your brain brain off to? That's on one of the streaming things that you've watched recently that you could tell me to watch, maybe. Mm. I started putting on a show called Toast of London. 
Okay. Okay. Which I think is maybe on Netflix, but it's Matt Barry, who's like, if you've watched the series of What We Do in Shadows. Oh he's yeah, like the head oh, vampire. No, I've only, that. I've that's only one of the, the best movies. shows ever. That's what I need to watch. Watch that oh, show. Watch that. Yeah. Oh, watch Turn that on shit, your dude. television and put it. Yeah, because yeah. that's just two seasons and they fly yep. by. And they go, they go All by right. so fast. You'll want to just start it over and watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like the guy, the Davis guy totally in it, told me to watch this before. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, it's great. But the people that make it, like they're kind of like yeah. they're making lots of stuff right now. There's a lot of content with the people in it, especially Matt Barry. Oh, awesome! He's great. So. Yeah, and I think he's a pretty funny personality, and he's kind of doing the same shit in everything that I've seen him in. But I'm I'm still enjoying it. So <laughs> nice, Toast of London, right? Yeah, uh, yes, I'm gonna I'm absolutely gonna watch what we do in the shadows television series. I don't know, oh, yeah, I haven't dude. seen it yet. That's a that's a huge mistake on my part. There you go. <laughs> it really is. You should really major failure yeah. <laughs> well uh, i've got another failure i think dave you might be a little disappointed maybe you're the only person in the world so this is normally where i would say let's let's do hank hits and that's where i talk about uh, another one of my favorite records that i then throw on our spotify playlist but because our just wonderful guest has two new records out that i want to make sure we have time to talk about yeah i'm not going to spend five minutes talking about some bullshit ass vinyl record that everybody <laughs> else has already talked about so so instead, I'm what I'm going to do is actually put the BT She Her record on my Hank Hits playlist just for the world awesome. to, to get into because that record is so badass and more people need to hear it. We're going to talk about wow. it. I keep putting it off. But before we talk about that, we're going to do another quick thing that I like to do before we do that, which is called a couple two tree randos. And that's where I ask you a couple two tree rando questions to get to know you a little better. So if you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present living or dead doesn't matter your talent theirs whatever who would that be and why um i mean i would love to play like you know uh, i would love to be gail and dorsey <laughs> and just play like the last 20 years of uh bowie's shows with him you know and get to sing <laughs> under pressure with him and stuff i i don't really Full play circle. any instruments but uh i think she's awesome I've listened to the tiniest bit of her solo stuff, but I haven't like gotten really into it. But I think yeah, I was gonna that, say I haven't checked that out either. Yeah, she. I think that she is an extraordinary presence on stage with him. With you know, and a lot of the last concerts that were taped and stuff and broadcast, I, mm-hmm. I, I think she became as integral a part of the sound uh, towards the end of his music making as anybody was in the beginning of it. Uh, plus like Mike Garson always still plays with them. So like you still get to play <laughs> with a lot of the yeah. cool older guys. Um, sure do. So yeah, I guess that's the first thing that comes to my brain. There's if I thought about it longer, I'd probably have a bunch of different answers that would all be as convoluted. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect answer that's a great uh, in honor in honor of thanksgiving which i think i still feel like a sad food hangover from in fact um what is your favorite dish to either eat or cook you can you can choose either one i am always the mashed potato lady i yeah, that is nice. what i get assigned and this year even though it was a very it was just my immediate family uh, i still made mashed potatoes i love potatoes um, I love making mashed potatoes. I don't get to put anything fancy in them when it's for my family. But if you want, well, how much butter do you get to put in there? Yeah, that's, that's plenty really of plenty of butter. But you can't be like, here's fresh parsley. You can't right, be like, here's fresh garlic. It's got to be pretty chill. Mm. Uh, but it's that still good. Enough. Oh, it sounds awesome. Hell yeah, can't go wrong. 
<laughs> Dave, I know you. Dave, I know you're not a turkey boy. I know we we had a little we had a little pre uh, Thanksgiving talk before we uh, before we dialed you in here. So I know he's not in, not into the turkey. Not a big turkey guy, but I will say we didn't do mashed potatoes this year, which was kind of sad. We talked about it. Oh, we did weird. mac and cheese instead because uh, sure. it was just my just my wife and I. So we didn't have a big we didn't didn't want to make like too much food. Sure. Um, I might just make some mashed potatoes just like next weekend just to be able to to whip some up because we do have potatoes. Yeah, mashed potatoes are so much bigger than holidays, man. Just, yeah. just have them whenever you want. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, man. I'm a grown-ass man. I can have mashed potatoes whenever I want to. So. You could have ice cream for breakfast and mashed potatoes for dinner. <laughs> I could actually Whatever do that right now physically, yes. Also, it seems like it's a big ordeal to like mash potatoes by yourself, but really it's like if you've got two big potatoes and you boil them and then you just, yeah. <laughs> just hit them with just, a fork, you know. Put a good Bowie record on and just and just get to mashing, you know. That's yeah, that's a lot of my days <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> every every epi- every episode, I try to pull a little quote uh, for like when I'm writing the description when I put it out and and like from and that is going to be the quote. Put, put on, I think. Would you say put on a Bowie record? And put get a little to Bowie record on and mash. Get to mashing. Um, that's it. Henry, what what about you, man? What's your favorite? Because we haven't asked this question to each other before. Oh, what's your favorite uh, Thanksgiving dish? You know, I mean, uh, I it's. I do actually like turkey, but the thing is, is there's so much bad turkey. I think that's why it's sort of like cats. Like people are like, oh, I don't like cats. And I think, and I think right. that those are just people that have been around shitty cats. Yeah. Well, I, I think sure. most people that are like, I don't like turkey have really just had shitty turkey because I've had very delicious turkey. But that's, I, I don't know. Like I'm a, I'm a Dago. So like I like all the Italian dishes normally, which yeah. I you know, didn't get to have this year. Like, yeah, that's, you know, the joke is like what uh, lasagna or, or manicotti Ma- or whatever. It's like the, the least, the least like traditional thanksgiving dish that's always going to be my favorite there's one that we always have it's like the simplest simplest things just muscioli aliol it's just muscioli in it and oil and garlic and and parsley but oh my um, god oh wow yeah it's perfect uh that's like that's just like a bianco family staple pretty much any family occasion there is going to be some muscioli aliol along with whatever random thing it is um so i would go with that but also i don't know honestly mashed potatoes are kind of my favorite too like i probably could just live on mashed potatoes forever mm-hmm. not i mean not la- not literally i would die but like if i, could, <laughs> I would live on mashed potatoes forever breakfast lunch and dinner mashed potatoes <laughs> pretty much oh my because god you can put you they're the perfect vehicle for pretty much anything mm-hmm. i bet i could make a dessert mashed potato is all i'm saying oh yeah oh for sure yeah like a dessert potato anyway like potato is just the most versatile and very versatile joy bringing absolutely thing to come out of the ground really so this is a fruitful conversation uh a couple more if you had a time machine where would you go i would probably go to like oh like mid late 70s new york kind of punk scene stuff cool or, or like factory era you know, Warhol, kind of New York. Warhol, Talking Heads. Yeah. That, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Dolls. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty good one. That's awesome. I feel like yeah. that's kind of the era where people, like, I, as as a black woman, where you're like, okay, I'm not being shoved into all of the boxes that, like, we had to stay in musically right. or as people <laughs> by then. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. So this... Uh, second to last question comes from our previous guest which if anybody hasn't listened to that episode with evan weiss from into it over it and like the four billion other bands that he's in um definitely after this one go back and listen because it was a really good episode but what he would like to know is what was your first car and how did it die (laughs) my first car was a 19 
I think it was an 89 uh, black Toyota pickup truck. Oh, that's badass, actually. It didn't. It felt kind of badass. I felt mostly just badass to have my own car. It was given to me by an aunt who they just had it like sitting in their garage for many, many years and they never drove it anymore. And then when I first turned it on, like it still ran and stuff, but I'd turn on the heater and it would blow out leaves and twigs. <laughs> so it had been sitting a, in this garage for years. <laughs> and it was a long time before it started, just like before that smelled normal, even after like the leaves stopped oh, coming yeah. out of the vents. Um, How long did you have this truck? I had that truck. My, I got it my senior year of high school, and I think I only had it like that year and then my freshman year of college. Um, that's just freedom, though. That is, that yeah. is, that is the, the ticket out. Yeah. And it just kind of stopped. It just kind of stopped. I've had a lot of cars yeah. that just kind of stopped. And I was like, Dad, please take it away. I don't want this anymore. I... <laughs> <laughs> it stopped. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And, and it's just somewhere now. And maybe maybe it's maybe it's still living. Maybe it's not. But... I think my parents sold it to somebody, like our neighbors or something. Like They, they found something in it that they wanted to revive. And I was like, no, I live in the city now. I, and I was probably living I was living in Lakeview, I think. And I was like, no, there's no parking. I just take it. Not really parking <laughs> not a pickup all, truck. Not, not a lot of haul in, uh, in yeah. Lakeview. Yeah. Uh, awesome. All right. Well, last question then is what question should we ask our next guest and you don't get to know who that is or anything just some another person in the music world what oh yes oh what song do you play for your mom or mother figure i love that cool that's That's a great question it's a really good question which of which of course means now i have to ask you what, what what would you play uh, I always think of Michael Jackson things first because she loves him, loves him, loves him, loves him, loves, loves him so much. And like that was a huge part of uh, my life because of her love for him. Yeah. And now that's a little bit tainted. It's it's all tainted. Everything is tainted in my right. brain. Of uh, course. Right. Not really for her yet, but I would skip the Michael Jackson at this point and go to James Taylor. Uh, my Beautiful. sisters and I actually made a little like CD for my mom a few years ago for her birthday and we all there was michael jackson on there and like carol king and mm-hmm. and but i sing a james i sing something in the way she moves uh she likes the nice chill stuff how lucky how lucky she must be to have a daughter who can sing so beautifully for her though i mean that's just like such a gift like if i if i sang it my mom she'd be like mm, okay <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh that was nice. you can play you can play a little guitar but <laughs> yeah I feel, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'm not quite sure what it is. I, there's probably going to be something where it's like, and here's the mom project. I'm not sure. I haven't had grandchildren for her, so I feel like I owe her something. <laughs> Fair enough. In that it's, way. Mom, I, I made two <laughs> records this year. Isn't that good enough for you? Come on. <laughs> yeah. They do feel like your children a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a, it's still a beautiful question. I can't wait to ask our next guest. So. Let's uh let's take it back. So you know where did you where did you grow up originally? Where did you come from? I'm from Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is I live in Chicago now, and uh, so that's mm-hmm. just like an hour north. And I moved down when, after uh, high school. Uh, you did the you did the thing. You went to the went to the nearby big city. Did you? Yeah. And, and you brought the pickup. You brought the 1989 <laughs> black Toyota with you. Yeah. I oh gosh, I must have. Gosh, I must have. I lived in the dorms for the first year here, so I must have left it up for that. Did you go to school uh, out here? Or? I went to Columbia uh, College. 
Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Did you finish? Honestly, it's at this point. It's just like <laughs> it's that's that's always a second question. And but honestly, at this point. I, I think we've had more guests on this show than Columbia than not. It's yeah. cr- I had no idea. That's so funny. Everybody, I, a lot of people do their time there. And not a lot mm-hmm. of people are there for the whole college career. Nope. Uh, but I also feel like it's the sort of school that is not set up for that. It is honestly set up so that you can go in, be meeting people in your yes. you know, desired community, and be working on little things you know, school-wise while you meet these people that's how it was i was in the music theater program and like okay that's how it was for me you know mm-hmm. uh i did not stay in it very long i did a couple shows and then started auditioning and getting regular work and i was like well i can't do a day job and full-time <laughs> right. student and right. be a full-time actress at the same time so the, th- the thing that you, you were trying to get from them you have so yeah yeah thanks yeah, that's a really so, good point. Yeah, I found yeah. that it's like it's kind of a launching pad for a lot of people. And when you do say to your professors or whoever, you know, you talk to the dean, you're like, I'm not going to be back here next year. I'm going to go pursue this. They're like, OK, you know, yeah. do it. That's that's why you were here. So very yeah. supportive in that way. Absolutely. And I like that. They're not. I I had the head of the theater department lady, too, just kind of like, I don't think you need you you don't have to finish here like that's right <laughs> you right. don't have to keep spending money on this education yeah. <laughs> you can always come back if you want to or something yeah you know? so, yeah. yeah very cool i'm still thinking about it i'm 36 as hell and i'm still thinking about going back so we'll see maybe someday yeah. oh man oh uh, man oh man what i know it gives me anxiety though <sighs> to think about it like serious anxiety uh we're so obviously i mean you know we we already alluded to the fact that you and i met um playing in, in your old band so at what point did you were you already playing in bands and doing the sort of rock and roll thing as a kid and, and when you were starting college like how did that all develop i mean obviously in a musical theater program you're a, this powerhouse vocalist it's a sort of a natural transition but it's not one that everyone makes so how did you kind of start crossing those boundaries mm-hmm. i didn't feel like it was a huge transition but and, and i was doing theater at the same time that revelator was happening so it was mm-hmm. <laughs> revelator is my first band um, okay. I answered an ad on Craigslist and uh, I don't know if you remember, but like the rest of the guys, like there was one guy that was a little bit younger, but the other guys were like, I'm in my forties and fifties and you know, I've played in I blues folk bands all that. my life yeah. and stuff. Mm. And I was like, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I was just some fucked up all the time. 21 year old that like <laughs> does plays, but also wants to, I, I always wanted to be in a rock band, and uh, I feel like Revelator was a good ground floor to get in on. Um, Dave, uh-huh. the band that I used to be in was a blues band, you know, for all intents and purposes, but we only did like pre World War II kind of stuff. So, uh, oh, interesting. But we, but sped it up and much louder so electrified punk, oh yeah punk blues kind of thing but we're oh, that's kind of cool staying only in like the sun house memphis mini mm-hmm. memphis slim uh kind of times not taking it into like the willie dixon kind of you okay. know, bb king kind of stuff um mm-hmm. so uh i got to really explore without feeling the pressure to have to like create the content myself because i'd never Quite at that point, I didn't think I was a songwriter at all. Um, 
But I knew I had a lot of things I wanted to express vocally in certain ways. So that band was great because they they all had chops well, and were kind of down for anything that their families and schedules would allow. And I was just <laughs> right. kind of this powder keg of... <laughs> Let's see. I I'll stay up if you guys want to do this. <laughs> like, right. uh, so yeah, I got to run around and scream a lot and and not have any. You know, it felt very low stakes for me. Whereas stuff in theater, it's just like your performance is in service of this piece and in service of the rest of the cast and getting the story across. And that right, right. that band for me was just kind of like, I don't care. I'm getting super <laughs> drunk tonight and I don't care. I'm right, going to scream and I don't care. It's rock and roll. Yeah. So yep. yeah, my days a lot then were like, go to work all day at the collection agency where you do IT. And then... <laughs> Go do a play, uh, you know, at the theater building on Belmont. Get out at 1030. Get straight to some stupid venue. Meet the rest of your band who is already kind of sound checked and do and, you know, play a rock show. Wow. First of all, can you even believe the amount of energy that we used to have to do stuff like that? Yeah. Like that exhausted me. I'm tired. I need a nap (laughs) just hearing that. Yeah, Holy it's shit, real that's amazing. stupid. Uh, it's real fucking stupid. Uh, and I mean, I remember those days well. We, you know, we, you were you definitely. I, I again, I can't remember how many times, but I know we definitely played together at least a few times. Yeah. In fact, there is one. The one that I remember specifically was your birthday party. Actually, My twenty fifth birthday party. Yes. And it was at this like badass loft venue up north on up north there it was on, on Lincoln. Lincoln somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And I remember that for a few reasons. One, it was just like way cooler than pretty much anywhere I'd ever been at, in my life at that point. You know, I was like in my early 20s and here's this like crazy loft art space. And there's like a stage in this one room in a, in a bar. But then there's like this art on the walls and like, where yeah. I where am I? And <laughs> the other thing I remember about that is that I was playing a Fender Twin at the time. And like this is when we were heavily touring all the time and shit. And I, a Twin is like. A 120 pound amp and i remember the the load in for that show was a oh, straight shit. set of like four flights of stairs there was no landing dude just, like, i know i know that venue up. you guys are talking about i know yeah. heart of gold was the name of it heart uh, of yeah. gold oh yeah. my god thank you so much i i've been, for like years i couldn't remember the name of this place that's yeah, i definitely went to oh a my god there yeah that's wow awesome. so that was yeah that was your birthday party i remember playing that and you guys also played right yeah yeah yeah, yeah that, that was, was yeah, fun that was, Hell of a night. What was the name of your lead singer? That was Matt Ostrowski. I feel like I owe him an apology. Oh, I um, can't wait to hear what <laughs> No, it's because at that party, I kept badgering him to take his shirt off. And he was like, oh, I yeah. really don't want to do this. Please leave me alone. And I wouldn't let it go. And he it was like, this is while he's on stage, like in the middle of the set. Like, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> In your defense, he was often, he was more often shirtless than not. At that was the so, thing. Yeah. Like he was, he, that was like, just like, I don't want to say he was like an Iggy Pop character, but he just like, he was just like the skinny little dude with like sort of muscular, but like real little, little dude, very full of energy, very funny guy. And like, he was just mostly shirtless. So huh. it made sense. Yeah. And I remember actually, I wore like a suit because I wanted to be like, I, I was like, this is like a fancy show. So I wore like a suit coat and a vest. I remember. <laughs> oh, Henry. <laughs> So oh my God. I'm sure that's super boring for all of our listeners, but it was fun for me. So whatever. I had a great time. 
<laughs> what um so obviously i mean you know you said that you you guys broke up in like 2007 was that just like i don't know like having like the rest of the band having too much shit going on like what or were you too yeah. busy what happened with that um well the guitar player who i for me was kind of like you know i was part of the sound of that band i thought but i also thought the guitar player was a big part of it because he was a really great like side player and just totally really good at making cool noise uh but a big nerd and like he had just finished his phd at ufc and like was about to move to like start a professorship somewhere mm-hmm. and That'll then do it. yeah and then like another person had a family and stuff was getting when he was a teacher it was a whole bunch of stuff and i was 25 and just like what why do you people have lives Right. <laughs> I'll never have a life. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was fine. It, and yeah. also with bands like that, like we weren't writing stuff. So there's only so much you can do. Like we played yeah. for five years and I learned a shit ton. And yeah. I'm sure they did too. And I made a billion connections. And I feel like, uh, the, like I don't think any of those moments were wasted, but I. No, right. But also, not. it wasn't something that you can keep like playing the same arrangement of you know two chord songs all the time. Like it's yeah, not sustainable. I mean, yeah, Jack White has sort of proven that for us. Like you've got to got to branch out eventually. Change yeah. it up. I guess <laughs> unless you're an actual blues musician. <laughs> yeah, there, there's that. Yeah. So is it at this point you did you go sort of I mean I know you were all in on theater at this point but was that did you did you do any more band stuff in the meantime or were you kind of just like all right this is I'm I'm like theater is my thing this is what I'm doing full time I'm not even going to worry about the band stuff anymore Well theater turned I mean eventually turned into like the way I make money and then you know a couple right. of years after that eventually became like this is also where I get my health benefits and stuff like I turned union So mm. Uh, when I started getting actual jobs where you have to go and rehearse eight hours a day and do eight shows a week, like where that becomes the day job as well, um, music got a little bit harder to fit in just energy wise and like not wanting to do things half ass wise. But honestly, at the same time, when Revelator ended, I had already started singing backup with a band called Dirty Rooks which was really random how it got set up like through a friend of a friend. And I was really just looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started singing with them a little bit. I brought in my friend, Tawny Newsom, who I had done theater with, and she was kind of looking for something else to do too. And I'm like, do you want to sing with this band? And so we did that. And we're kind of like the soul singer backup singers for white guy blues rock bands, you know? Um, So we did that for a lot of years, and I did that with, I mean, like a handful of bands for a little while, really just kind of keeping me in the scene and still meeting people and playing places. Yeah, you know. Uh, Is that the sort of thing? Was it kind of, uh, did you find yourself getting any sort of uh, artistic satisfaction from it, or was it more so, like you said, kind of maintaining your connections and getting getting a, a check? It was more maintaining connections, I think, but at, but I don't know, maybe kind of half and half. At the same time, I I feel like the things that I'm doing now, like where I'm writing my own things, I I learned song, you know, construction from a lot of these people okay. that I was singing totally. back up with. Absolutely. Yeah, right. 
And just the ideas of like trying things out and being like, and here's how it goes. And then it doesn't work and you scrap it or you use that bridge in a different thing. You know, like my brain just wasn't working that way. And to be immersed in that, those sorts of processes were, that was invaluable. And like, I feel like I'm a pretty good shit, like vocal arranger now, at -hmm. least for more treble and standard voices well from from what from what i've heard uh i i can agree i I, obviously i didn't i don't i want and i want to get into it a bit more sort of like the arrangement all that stuff with your new records but from what i've heard these two records that that you put out this year they're fucking awesome and some of the vocal stuff it like blows my mind it's all yeah you i can confirm you are good at it indeed okay (laughs) thanks (laughs) it's Um, awesome but to answer, I think your original question, it's not. It yeah. wasn't super fulfilling. I because I right. I just felt like I have a lot more inside me uh, to express that is me. But also at the same time, you know, I'm still I'm still acting. I'm still on stage almost. Mm-hmm. You know, like every night of my life doing something, and you know, I it wasn't like I was I I I was getting good. <laughs> you know, like. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm an okay front person now, and I and I know when I was singing backup for a lot of these people, you know, in those early years, it was just kind of like, I think I can do your job better. Uh, right. Okay. You definitely can. I'm glad <laughs> you are. This is, you touched on something that is absolutely one of the things I kind of want to dig into, mostly as a blind spot for me, and I think for Dave and probably our listeners. And this is kind of like the that intersection between or the differences between performing on stage with a band or in a you know a more just straight up music context versus in like musical theater or acting so like do do you find do you feel your do you have to put yourself in a completely different frame of mind to do those sorts of things i know you mentioned in the beginning it was kind of just like rock and roll is like i'm gonna get fucked up and scream but obviously like your your music has evolved and such since then so like do you find yourself having to tap into different artistic parts of yourself or do you see that it's all kind of related in in some way i think it's pretty related uh i feel depending on what i'm doing or who the crowd is there to see like whose name is on the act Mm, i think i kind of get into different mindsets uh i perform with a guy named john langford all the time um i'm in a project with him called four lost souls and yeah, which is so so cool. Also, also, uh, you're, you're, you've already mentioned your collaborator, uh, Tawny. But then, if anybody doesn't know, John Langford from the Mekons, Waco Brothers, like yeah, hot shit musician. And you mm-hmm. guys did a record down in Muscle Shoals together, which wow. is super cool. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> nuts. Uh, but he, you know, like when you're performing with him, the crowd is there to see him. Like his name is on everything. Like he's sure. he's the artist that's on the label, and we're and has a billion projects, and I'm just part of one of them. So a lot of times, if I'm going on stage with him, I don't give a fuck. I know that they're not here to see me. Like mm-hmm. if there's, there's some like less stress or less reason to be like nervous or anything like that. Absolutely. Right? If if I fuck up that's not gonna ruin the show for anybody mm-hmm. like and it's just like I, I i like that freedom i really do especially when it's in an act that is put together with those particular dynamics mm-hmm. um I, i'm into that just because i know i can have fun and yeah. and if something does get wrong go wrong and the show is fucked it's not my name on it. Like, right. not the, I'm not trying to be a jerk like that, but no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, it's, 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 the stakes are lower for sure, but yeah, you know, it's, it's so, it, but it still allows you to access some of that different type of artistry that you have available on tap. And, and this it's it sounds like, I mean, a lot of this is a matter of context, 
Um, and, and I'm curious, you know, I think about like playing a live show with a band versus performing a, a play that or something like that. Like, how do you balance? Because obviously, there's so much of of. And I've when I was in high school, I was on stage crew. Thank you very much. So I know all there is to know about the theater. <laughs> but uh, what I remember is, you know, obviously you're just like you've got this one thing, and you like spend months and months and months practicing it, mm-hmm. and then like that's what you do, and that's the show, and like yeah. that's it for like however long the show runs, and then. And in some ways, I see some parallels with, say, like a band that writes a record and then you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse a record and then you take that out on tour and that's what you perform every night. But the part that I would like to ask you about is that, you know, this because even still when when you've got this when you're when you're on stage performing a piece of music, there's still some room for improvisation, whereas I feel like there's so many people relying on you on stage and and like a, a. a musical theater production or even just a play to, to be doing exactly the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you, how do you think about that? Like, do you, do you have to turn off the imp- improviser in your head when you're going on stage for that sort of thing and then turn it back on at, at, when you're playing with a band or do you just, when you're playing with a band, do you still also just try to do the exact same thing every time? Um, I don't do the same thing all the time with a band. Uh, and I definitely mm-hmm. do more on, in, on stage in a theatrical way. Um, but with both, and it's kind of a case-by-case basis with both as well, I suppose, because a lot of uh, theater music and, and parts and stuff, like some of some stuff has space for a little bit of improv. I don't mean like okay. I'm making up my own lines and ad-libbing. Right. I mean kind of just like... You can like, try you stuff out, though. Yeah. Um, but I do think, especially in the theatrical world, there are certain markers or marks that you just have to hit. Like yep, there are right. a few things that you have to be consistent with just so like, and here's the transition, you know, and everybody's got to have their cues. And I feel like that's kind of the same way as it is in music, you know, like you yeah. got to signal when it's going to end. Like everybody's got to, yeah. you got to make sure everybody's on the same page mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. can't just, you know, throw all caution to the wind, even if you want to like, no, nope, we're going to do this, this section again, because I actually have a little <laughs> bit more to get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The kind of that flow state where you step outside of yourself and you're like, you know, you can just almost do anything at that moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, it's different. It depends on what kind of project you're doing. There's some plays and stuff where it's just like, if you don't hit this moment, right, the rest of your scene is going to be fucked. <laughs> totally. Uh, whereas within music, I think it's a little bit more forgiving. Uh, well, tell us more then about these two records. So the first one that I want to get into, uh, BT, she heard that came out, was that in August, I think? Yeah. August 28th. Yeah. Give us a little bit of background. So I, it seems like you maybe is the story you, you, you recorded that in 2019, but it didn't come out until this year. Yes. Uh, we record. We started recording in March of 2019. Uh, I was recording at Sound Vault Studios, which is in like the Fort Knox uh, oh, compound. Cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was working with my producer, Packy Lundholm, who plays in one million bands in Chicago. Yes, he does. And like... He's the guy that I I think every one of my friends knows, but I don't know if I've ever actually met Packy. Oh, you got to get in there, baby. Packy's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, Hook it up, get him on the show. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's called Gear Buds, and I was not sure why I, why I was asked on the show. I was like, this. I feel like I should have Packy with me. He knows because I want to talk about these records because they're so badass. Yeah, and I'll be totally honest. Are. This is this is our podcast, and I can do whatever the fuck I want. And I wanted to have an excuse to catch up with you and talk about your records. So here we are. That's why you're on the show. Oh, I do appreciate it. I and it is nice to talk to you. It's been hell yeah many years. Uh, anyway, 
we started making it about a year ago and it was really just kind of uh scheduling uh studio sessions when everybody else wasn't already working and when i like had days off from rehearsals of whatever job i was doing mondays were always a thing because that's a theater day off so we'd schedule as many mondays in advance as we could even if i was working out of town i'd drive in um and it took the whole year to get it together we didn't finish uh all we didn't finish recording and overdubs and stuff like that until basically uh, February of two, 2020. And I was still, I was working in Milwaukee the first few months of the year before shutdown. And I was driving mm-hmm. in on the days off and being like, all right, what can we get done? Wow. Uh, well, and not to say that it sounds, you know, belabored or overproduced, but it sounds like something that you didn't, you know, it wasn't just like a weekend session. This, yeah. The, it's carefully constructed. There's a lot of really bold, badass tones. There's a lot of variety on the record, too. Mm-hmm. Like, even the way that it opens up, I was just like, it, I, not, to, not, to, I didn't have any, I had no preconceived notions of what to expect of the record to sound like, but it wasn't that, honestly, which is <gasps> badass. Because cool. it just opens up with just this, like, <laughs> badass squalls of distortion, and then there's this, like, syncopated fuzz groove that happens, and it's like, oh, badass didn't know I was this is what I was in for but like I'm super into it and then and, you know it just it does a lot of stuff from there but it just it started in this like really nasty fuzzed out guitar bass way that I just thought was pretty badass and a very bold choice to start a record thank you thank you yeah that track very, uh, very good track the opening track is, I wrote in like 2014 like we've been performing that live for so many years and never recorded it and it's had a lot of different uh, arrangements and ideas put on it and yeah. uh, honestly, when we, that was one of the first things that we recorded, and Packy just kind of came in and played a riff that he had never played, you know, in all the years of us playing it live. <laughs> and I was like, okay, and there we've got it, and that's what the song sounds like now. And I, hell yeah, this is the song now. Yeah, right? sometimes I you remember that, how to play though. that, buddy. Yeah. I did. Really that sometimes, enjoy that like part some. Of it. When you do an arrangement so many different ways, it's almost helpful to have a producer come in like that and be like, this is how, this is what we're going to do. And it's like, yeah. all right, let's move. I love yeah. It. Uh, but yeah, this, this album took a year, a full year to get all the pieces, you know, on tape. And then we mixed it. I'd go in there once in a while during lockdown, but it was really a lot of like him emailing me new mixes and then me yeah. mm-hmm. taking my walk around the park during isolation being like oh what can i do better <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, i also constantly walk around parks listening to my own music to, to figuring <laughs> out what i can do better that's literally that's like that's tip. what i do like, yeah it's i just I, I put it put it on my phone and then just go walk around and listen to it on my on my bluetooth headphones yeah also it's kind of like a the, you know i was like and there's my 40 minute you know walk for the morning like it's a good exactly. little time go. out thing you're uh, already done by like 6:30. Yeah, it's pretty much <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, I mean there's a lot of stuff going on, right? I mean, I just some of the things that were done like I hear just different like in the same song things like like a classic rock vibe into sort of like a dirty projectors kind of thing Yay. and then there's this one song that kind of had like a like half Sturgill Simpson, half Stonesy kind of thing. Uh, I think Hell that yeah. was "I'll Keep Walking." Maybe um, so I, I've heard some. I hear some Beatles licks throughout it. So like it it is it is definitely not you know a first name last name singer songwriter solo record no you know that is not that is not what this thing is which is which is fucking rad and yeah, the, song, the songs huge. themselves are great so i mean that's what i was going to ask you, you you mentioned the first one you, st- you first started writing sort of in 2014 like how did these all songs all come together because i know you put out another record in like 2017 as well so the, obviously that one didn't make this 2017 record yeah uh yeah i did that ep in 17 and 
it, those were songs that were written around the same time as I'm not sorry I'm not scared but uh okay but no I'm not sorry I didn't make it on that EP and the EP was honestly like the practice record for me uh yeah mm-hmm. we yeah that was really just kind of like all right I wrote these things uh we've been playing them a little bit I'm not really a recording artist and don't really know my way around the studio that much but you know both these things, the EP and BT She Her were, were put together only with uh, my band members. Like, Packy and I co-produced BT She Her, and he engineered it uh, and mixed it. <laughs> and, like, uh, the band members I played with are the guys that I've been playing with for a few years. We were the only people in there the whole time. Like, it mm-hmm. was really nice. just kind of like, I, I feel like I'm spoiled working this way. Uh, but I also know that with the EP and then with the album, the LP, it was, it was like, I know that I need the space for me to make mistakes that I can either talk about with people or notice myself and never mention again. I need time. I need, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I need this to feel very safe in here. And there's a ton of trust involved. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. And you don't think about it. Uh, until you kind of do it. And now I've watched a couple, like, like I watched like a, the Taylor Swift documentary or something. And it's just like her in there with the, you know, the producer and they're writing right. it and, and everything, it's, everything's channeling in, in real time. And it's like, ah, that's so brave. <laughs> I also uh, watched Americana. Thank you very much. Is it that what awesome. it was called? I, I think so. Yeah. But there's definitely some scenes where she's just working with her producer. Yeah. Uh, Mick, Mick Ronson, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I like him too. So maybe I was just kind of like, oh, and they're just having it's a good time. He's a very likable guy. That's right. <laughs> he is. I follow him on Instagram, and he's one of those people. I'm just like, why do you, Bethany? Why do you care? Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I do. <laughs> and Ferris, he does have great hair too. Yeah. No, it uh, it all works out. It's fine. <laughs> so okay. So you you make this amazing record. You put it out in August. It's getting. You know, I read a beautiful write-up in the Sun-Times getting all his attention. but And that wasn't good enough for our friend Bethany Thomas here. Because then you went and made you went and made another awesome record called Material Flats with your friend that you've already mentioned, Tawny Newsom. How did that happen? Well, uh, while we were mixing BT She Her, um, you know, there were some police murders. And, uh, there was some real fucked up stuff that happened. That's yeah. Right. Anyway, that, you know we got like those first two months of quarantine where it was all crazy and what are we going to do? But then like May and June came around and it was like, Oh shit, everything's terrible. And Tawny, mm. Tawny lives in, uh, near LA. She's like kind of in the high desert, uh, in Southern California and all my jobs got canceled and all her jobs got canceled. She's an actress. And, uh, so I was like, well, I'm just going to drive out there, I guess. And, We'll hang out. Maybe we'll maybe we'll record something because she had a little yeah. studio set up in her garage. She does a bunch of podcasting and stuff. Um, so I was like, yeah, great. And then my friend wanted to come too. My friend Patrick Martin, who plays guitar with me, is in my band. And I was like, you know, we'll I'll bring Patrick. We'll we'll make a thing. And we went out. She had a few demos that uh, we listened to on the way out. And then we got there and it was really just, we did a little bit of jamming. I'm not, I don't really play any instruments, but I, you know, I'll pick up a guitar once in a while and try I've, to. I've seen you bash on a guitar before. Yeah, it's it's really not great. But like we did a little bit of jamming and stuff and I was like, okay. And she's like, 
all right, well, I'm just going to set up the mics. And we honestly, like in in two and a half weeks, then wrote and recorded almost the whole thing. Wow. Uh, which was a very stark, you know, contrast to how I'd done. Complete opposite, yeah. right? <laughs> so I, I, I loved it. I, I came in feeling very intimidated at first because she's kind of like, yeah, of course we can do this. Of course we do. And I'm not mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, mm. uh, but after a while it was just like yeah i was like just throw yourself into this there's not going to be another time to get together with your best friend that lives across the country and make a thing uh and we just kind of kept plugging away and we asked uh, you know some of our friends like can you send us stuff like our friend gene cook in new york we're like can you send us some strings because we're gonna do a remix of this older song so it sounds completely different now because gene's playing on it uh we asked our friend Ted Leo if he wanted to like play a guitar solo on something because we didn't really have like oh, a hot I shit didn't know guitar that. player. That's cool as shit. Yeah, um, yeah. The last track on Material Flats called "Carry Something." Ted plays the guitar solo, and he also sings on it. Um, and Patrick that's sings fucking as well. rad. Yeah, it's it was like if you can get this to us in a couple days, please, please help <laughs> us. And, but yeah, I'd never. Well, if, I mean, it's a it's a rocking record. I've got to say that it definitely. I mean, there there's some moments that I feel like are also sort of maybe for I don't know lack of better comparison, sort of like Phoenixy, like the way that it's produced kind of has this sort of like French pop vibe, which is badass. But cool. in general, I feel like it's just like a pretty sweet rock record. Um, You're saying all that, these descriptions you... that I've never heard anybody say, and I love it. Thank you. Really? Yeah. Well, how about this one? Uh, I noticed that, and uh, that the, uh, you mentioned obviously one of the sort of motivators behind making this record. Obviously, everything that's gone on uh, with George Floyd and all the fucking horrible stuff that's happened. But you have a song called Juneteenth on there, and and I put that on, and I kind of it has sort of like a it has a kind of like a Courtney uh, Barnett vibe, I would say, in some ways, a sort of like punk rock kind of rock and roll thing to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Tanya likes to say uh, it's the only punk song about Juneteenth. I don't know that for Which sure, is, but <laughs> I don't either, but it's it's the best it's the best one at the least for one, sure yeah. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's not really about Juneteenth either is kind of the thing, but Sure. Um, uh, how did you I want to know so obviously compl- you already mentioned completely different experience writing and making these records. How what was it like for you having been the primary songwriter obviously on a, a record with your just your name on it to this other project with a co-songwriter? Was that more of a challenge for you? Did you enjoy that process? I think I liked it. I th- I, l- I loved it. Um I think the time constraints made me have no choice but to love it kind of. I think. Ah, okay. Interesting. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Tawny and I have been singing together since since I was seven, like that band that we started singing in mm-hmm. after Revelator stopped. Uh, and she's, you know, obviously taken a different path than me and taken her across country. But uh, we know each other's instincts pretty well vocally, and she's done some writing as well. And uh, she she's just really good with ideas. She's an improver and a comedian, and like she, her brain just keeps working in the in a way that I wish mine did. Like I have to just really sit and stew about stuff for a long time, and she's like, "Idea, idea, idea." Right. Um. So it was. I didn't really have a choice except for like, okay, she's like her ball is rolling here, so just get over yourself and and write a fucking verse. You know, like that's great though. <laughs> yeah. That's how you we have do to it record sometimes. it after dinner, yeah. and that's the only time if we're gonna do this. Right. So. Sometimes your first instinct's the best one when you write songs like that, you know? Yeah. I I really enjoyed it. I 
I thought it was, it scared me to death at first, the idea of it. But then mm-hmm. when you're in it, and it probably depends on who you're working with, but the small crew that we had, which was Tawny and me and my guitar player, Patrick, and her husband, Nate, who plays drums, you know, it was like, all right, what can we do? Patrick played bass and guitar on everything. And a lot of the awesome. stuff, it's Tawny and me telling him exactly what to play, like, you know, <laughs> by riff sometimes. And that's how my album was, too, for some things. But mm-hmm. I feel like I write very, a lot. Very Bowie style. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. It is. Um, And I I think that's part of the reason that I like him so much is that he... I'm sorry, we just jumped into a different thing now. <laughs> but that idea oh, it's, where it's, it's been like... been going on the whole time. Yeah, like, I've got all these sounds in my head. I'm not... I'm just not good enough to play this. I Please excuse me. You're very good at this instrument. Can I tell you exactly how long to play every note? <laughs> uh, and I, As long as you can effectively communicate, I yeah. think that stuff is great. The, the issues from that stem when it's like no, you're doing that wrong, but then you can't say what right is in yep, any way that like, uh, that which is, you know, a, that a musician yeah. could understand. Right. I, right. I, I live in that space sometimes too, which I, I feel bad about, but we I think do. that's why I stay with the same musicians a lot because I have a pretty good idea of the sorts of things that they're bringing to the table and they all right. have a good idea of my shortcomings and, uh, and, <laughs> and how I communicate. Um, I should send you, there's a, um, you, or you might've seen it before and, and Dave and I have like sort of talked, threatened to do it on the show a few times, but we haven't done it, but there's this Captain Beefheart's 10 rules for being in his band. Oh yeah. That, and, and it's like, and, and Captain Beefheart didn't play a lick of music, you know? I mean, he was this like genius level okay. singer and leader or whatever, but like he didn't play piano or anything like that, but it would be like, I want you to play a part that sounds like a piano falling down the stairs or like, you know, just like really weird esoteric <laughs> descriptions. But you know what? It worked it. for him. So yeah. yeah. That's the real. Right guys it got it. Too. Yeah. That's so real. I feel like those are the stupid things that I say. To- <laughs> My drummer wrote down a note one time that I shouted to the band during recording. And the note was less orange, more purple. That is exactly yeah. something that would be on a Captain Beefheart. I think that one is actually already on there. So exactly. So obviously, you know, that this is not normal times right now where, you know, uh, someone putting out awesome records would like try to go out and support them and stuff. But do you have any plans to like take your band out and do some shows for either or both of these records that we've been talking about? I'm not sure yet. I Well, I... I did a live from the hideout live stream show for BT She Her in October. And how was that? It was actually really fun. It was weird as hell, of course. Like, yeah. It was the night of the VP debates, I remember, because after we were done, we just sat around in the club looking at our phones, telling Mike Pence fly on the head jokes for an hour. Fly on the head. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a whole night. It was like, play epic rock show. We haven't gotten to play together in over a year. And then we sat on our phones in, uh, in a fully lit hideout. <laughs> that is a crazy What did they have? Right was there. that just like they had a sound guy and then that was pretty much it? Or how um, did they, how and did a they videographer. Obviously. Obviously video, yeah, too. Yeah, and the videographer, oh gosh, it was called QAF Productions, and I really liked them a lot. Uh, I don't do a lot of on-camera stuff, even like, you know, like live performance things. I never watch it because I'm like, I can't believe that's what I look like. Uh, (laughs) But 
I was able to sit with them and like line up the shots and like what do we want here and I think I'm gonna go oh, up on cool. stage here but be on the floor here and uh, so that was a interesting element to try to add to uh, how you perform Very but cool. uh, but I liked it I I thought it came out looking really good and the stuff that sounded good sounded really good and of course there was some stuff where I was like Bethany you've never sung this live and you obviously don't that's, know how. That's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? That's also the sort of thing that only you, the artist and songwriter, would ever know anyway. Yeah, so of course. All of us are none the wiser. Right? <laughs> so that I thank you so much for joining us and yeah, and, thank you and dealing with our antics and bullshit. Um, if or I should say, when our listeners want to go and check out your stuff and learn more about what you do and listen to your music, where would you send them on the interwebs? Or sending people to Bandcamp, I guess, because yeah. I've been digging it. And we're making real money off of it, you know. Right. Not Hell like yeah. real money, but you know, like <laughs> money. You're keeping money. Yeah. Yeah. There's no money bin, but at least it's it's a check of some sort that isn't the like you're still waiting from the like point zero 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 four yeah. cents from Spotify to show yeah. up. Yeah. But I mean uh, but we're both albums are streaming every both albums, my EP, four less souls, it's all streaming everywhere. Um It's all on the stuff. Yeah. And Tawny has one million. I'm like, oh, let me name all of my <laughs> collaborators' projects. There's too many. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, we're out there. It's like, look up the name. My website's bethanythomasmusic.com, but it's kind of a fucking mess. And so who cares? Yeah, thank you. That was the answer. <laughs> Google exists. You know what? We're going to link to stuff anyway, so you'll be able to find it. If you just go follow our shit, it'll be there. Yeah. BT, thank you so much for joining thank us. You I'm so, so happy again. we got to catch up. Hell yeah. And, uh, I hope we can actually like hang out sometime in the real world when the world is back or whatever, if that ever happens. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start a band. We'll play in some lofts. We'll start a band. I mean, we're, we're neighbors. It's, it'll, it's easy. All right. In fact, my, my, my studio is in Humboldt Park, so there's, that's, I'm just putting that out there. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I'll come by. I'll, I'll bake you some cookies. Boom. Love Dude. it. I can't wait to. I'm going to hold you to that. All, All right. right. Well, my friends, have a great rest of your weekend. Um. And, you know, keep it real. Keep it real. Keep it real.